let's see, what's this? Oh, what's no, that's last month. Okay, this one. No. Oh, here it is. Detour. Listen, Vance, if you want an interview, get a damn flashlight. They're, fi they're, fi fi they're fiery. Crime time, baby. They're fiery. Graffiti, writing, or drawings scribbled steadily on a wall or other surface in a public place. Crime time. Yeah. Holy shit, Julia, how did you get stains in the front and in the back? Good lord. And crime time makes me want to just curl up in the shower and get drunk alone and write real bad poetry. I guess there are female plumbers. But you did have a nice crack though. Put it on, you know, and really seen a guy cry. Hey, crime time, it's P-Rob. You know, you gotta treat the men. Oh, I get an interview. I never lost sleep when I was with a fat chick. Heard it once, I've heard it once, I've heard it once, I've heard it once. It really does pain me to ask you this, but where did the name come from? When I first started, I actually wrote back. I think I did for probably about like 10 years, you know, driving around, driving all over the country and dead tour and just hippie tour, hippie festivals type. Just kept seeing detour signs everywhere, man. And eventually I picked one up and I painted it and I just did the word detour over the straight letter detour that was over it. Picture set on my wall for about four or five years. And finally one day I was like, you know what, man, I really like those letters. And I just started fucking with them more and more. And I just decided one day just to change it over. Yeah, that's fascinating. I love the story. I think getting the name is cool and it's a major part of it, but I think we might commit too soon, kind of like a girlfriend we don't know that well, to the letters, where maybe we should have assessed the layout first. I hate the letter D. Sounds perverted, but I've been stuck on a fucking D for a minute now. It sounds horrible, man. My favorite letter is E, so I get that. If you don't have the right flow of letters, it, it can really uh, affect what you do. I mean, it's... Maybe you find it, maybe you don't. And, I mean, maybe you do pick a different name. Or You've been going about 25 years, give or take, a few months. I don't think anyone's going to fact check this. But do you remember the very first thing that got you hyped on Graph? Absolutely. I remember the very first day I said, this is it, this is what I want to do. High school, Miss Clarkson's English class. I was hanging out with my boy, uh, Mutt. He was actually writing back then retired now as tattoo artist we were sitting in class and he was just drawing up some letters just started talking i was like oh man what are you up to what are you doing i go out and paint with i know a lot of people heard the names demo and shore all of us went to all the high school together and like oh yeah man you know uh you know hang out maybe i'll go give it a try and start drawing some letters around one day and during my work break i would go out start bombing and painting like just doing some like little bubble letters on the back of my workbook and after the first time i got in trouble i was like you know what that, that was kind of fun dude fuck these people i want to keep doing this shit yeah, and it just stuck from there, man. It was, I met Demo and Shore, man, and they got me into the fray scene, and Mutt lived a uh, five-minute walking distance from one of the yards. I mean, we would go out there, do three or four freights a night, three or four nights a week even, and crushed it, and we did it. You know, our shit was horrible. It was whack. What is it about Demo and Shore? I've heard you mention them already a few times. I believe originally they were from Chicago. They moved to Indiana, so we all went to junior high, high school together. It's probably one of the uh, first generations in Indianapolis, probably along with, like, MUL crew, definitely. Demo and Shore, they crushed the freight scene there. They weren't really into the walls and, and bombing so much. Freights, man, those guys killed it. 
sure I can't even begin to explain how much inspiration I got from that dude. He, that dude traded flicks with so many people all over the country in the early 90s. We didn't, all we had was magazines and, you know, maybe like the Lion's Toughest video or something like that we looked at. So we didn't really have much. And, you know, with him trading flicks with people on the East Coast, the West Coast, we had all kinds of stuff to look at besides our Scribble magazine. And sure, he used to do a little uh, uh, black and white scene called Threat. Just all black and white. It was a bunch of crap. For Indiana, that's what we had. Everyone has access to a camera now because of cell phones. But back then, graffiti writers were visionaries. They all had cameras to capture their work. Do you remember the first camera you owned and the first graffiti picture you ever took? I was poor, man. We didn't have much growing up. It was definitely a disposable camera. Demo and Shore, uh, they worked at a one-hour photo place. We would always take our photos into there and get enveloped. The first photo I ever took, graffiti-wise... The first train that I ever painted with those guys, we didn't get a picture of it at night. went back during the day, and first time I ever really even painted a piece, man, like attempted it. Forgot to put a force field or whatever you want to call the thing, but forgot to even put that thing on that. I don't even think I even knew about that shit then. And that was probably the first graffiti flick I took, first camera I owned. And How important is it to get photos of your work? And how important is it to get photos of your life? I don't know. I kind of go a little bit back and forth on that, man. I, I think it's important to have those photos for other people to see them. In my life, the lifestyle I've lived, I, I'm constantly moving, doing a lot of shit. I've been through a lot of shit. I've lost numerous photos. I, honestly, now, man, besides the shit that I've painted within the past 10 years, I guarantee I don't have a photo of anything beyond 10 years anymore, man. I've had house fires I've gone through, and I think it's very important, but also at the same time to me, it's just like, yeah, it's just a photo, so get the fuck over it. Maybe somebody will see it. It might get painted over in an hour. Who knows? In hindsight, do you like 35 millimeter cameras or digital? I would probably have to say digital when it comes to photography would have to be better. The thought of a 35 millimeter is cool. You know, I mean, you take the picture and it's like, all right, I hope I got it. Uh, I hope that's a good one. You know, I'll check it out when I get it developed. You know, obviously with the digital and you can see what you took down there immediately. In my opinion, I would say digital would be way better. I'll tell you one thing I know these kids nowadays won't remember, man, or know about is like trying to go to the 35 millimeter, trying to find that one picture and you got to take it back to the photo place and redevelop that one piece of film. It's hard to fathom how far we've come with technology. I mean, 20 years ago, Kodak film was huge and now nobody has even heard of it. So what a change. Anyhow, what about IWS, Ilwa Style? Tell us about the founding members, what that crew is really all about, man. Tell me, punk. It's been around for 24 years now. Dose and Creep, um, they were the kind of the founding members of the crew. Sacred kind of came in right after that. There's another guy, uh, Koss, C-O-S. There's a few other members that were in and out before I was in it. And then I think probably about uh, maybe like 98 or 99 is when I got thrown down in the crew. And then it was the main people in the crew was uh, Dose, Creep, Sacred, Speaker, say that was about it since came in a, a few years later after i did to not leave out jim's nemesis he uh he was a big time hitter in the crew for sure man dope pieces as far as those guys hand styles man i think probably had some of the nicest hand styles in the crew man for sure he's got some health issues now and not able to paint anymore so it's still do pieces and shit for him obviously and say uh you know as far as iws goes we really kind of like to just focus on uh productions and mural types stuff i mean we love doing pieces our main inspiration was uh, like the FX video, DF, man. I mean, we were surrounded by Cincinnati. We were Scribble Jam was our closest thing. We were an hour, hour and a half from Scribble Jam. So, you know, that was our closest thing for a lot of inspiration as well. So, you know, we'd go to that event and see the big productions and color, man. Like, 
watercolor nowadays with all this new paint. So. These infatuations and passions come at a cost for sure. Have you had to sacrifice anything, relationships, anything like that to keep going? Relationships, I don't think I've ever had to sacrifice. All the girls I've dated in the past, supportive of it, you know, I mean, just always like graffiti groupies, and they were always supportive of it. And my girlfriend now, she's highly supportive of what I do. Uh, you know, I think the only thing I've probably, honestly, I've ever sacrificed would have job. I'd rather go paint than work for you motherfuckers, you know what I mean? Like, I've kind of always lived a, just a free and fuck you lifestyle, man. I do what the fuck I want. If you tell me not to do it, I'm probably going to do it three times more because you told me not to do it. So that's pretty cool. Um, how did your family feel about this uh, love affair, this obsession that you found? I think my dad was the first one to find out. I mean, he was actually pretty supportive of it. I mean, I wouldn't say he was like, oh, yeah, you know, my son's a graffiti artist. He wasn't, you know, trying to drag me away from it either. My parents were divorced at this time, and when I first started graffiti, I was actually living with my dad at the time. We went and painted. A, we had a legal spot in India, and he actually came with me to the, say, or one of the first few times I'd painted a legal wall, and he was pretty supportive of it. I got arrested a couple times. He expelled me out of jail one time for it. Now, with the stuff that we do, girls in the production, graffiti jams, and stuff like that, now they're they're highly supportive of what we do. I mean, we take it from a negative to a positive, and my parents definitely love that. Everyone's parents definitely take to it differently. Um, I heard you mention the word jam, and to me, that's a verb, but let's talk about subsurface, uh, that jam, as a noun. It was more of a sacred and a sixth sense thing that was really putting it on. Dose also as well started it. Started up in Broderpool, a little far area in Indianapolis. We'd all be painting up in there. So we ended up finding this other little uh, spot. We had all kinds of people coming out, you know, people from Chicago, Cincinnati, you know, all over the country come out and paint, man. It's, I'd say probably, you know, 30, 40 riders at, at most. It was all invite only. Uh, everybody knew each other. We were all super good friends. Um, MFK. DF would come out quite a bit, PC guys out of Chicago, a few other guys, but Keisha Crew, northern Gary, Indiana, Chicago area, they were, they're, they're pretty much IWS family, they're, you know, we're like, we're brothers in Indianapolis so much, but Keisha Crew, they pro probably really are the Indiana graffiti history, like a lot of it started there, East started in Keisha Crew. Hopefully this next question isn't too stimulating, but have you ever pulled into one of those enclosed car washes? And you got about six minutes in there until that roll-up door goes up. And you just so happen to have one of your lady friends in there with you. Getting some touch-ons. Maybe a little more. Hell, maybe she even goes downtown for a minute. Six minutes, dude. I mean, that's like multiple shots, dude. Come on, bro. No, I've never made love in a car wash. Can't say that I've done that. I'd say maybe if I had to come up just the most. I hope my girlfriend don't listen to this. But in a bathroom of a bar. Pretty raunchy, but you know. <laughs> Mega props, man. I think it's freaking amazing. I don't know if I could pull that off. It was the cocaine bar. But it was it was pretty easy to get away with a lot of things in those bathrooms. <laughs> Maybe we won't put that in the interview either. After that little hump story, man, I definitely think differently of you. I don't mean to judge you, but you sound like a barbarian. And what do barbarians drink when they're bored? I used to be a crazy drunk. I'd go out and drink. You know, fifth whiskey every night at least, six pack of beer, whatever, man. I, I I used to love drinking. I switched over to smoking weed and do not drink anymore, man. Occasionally, you know, I might have like a, a glass of wine. I have a friend of mine that's a uh, winemaker. Occasionally, I go out and I'll help bottling and stuff like that. I'll kind of assist him in his winemaking. And, you know, of course, then I'm going to have a nice glass of wine and shit like that. But, you know, that's maybe once a month. I'm not a drinker anymore, man. I'm just back, chill, smoke, and get stuff done in my day, you know. Alcohol's a good time, but, you know, it definitely... 
takes its toll on you, and inevitably you can keep running, but you may run out, and you have to pay the piper. Now, if you put a jar of moonshine in front of my face, you can't deny that. I, I do love me some moonshine. That's just homemade, and the liquor store bullshit shit they have nowadays. That's definitely the backwoods country boy speaking there with that moonshine. There's a lot of rituals that revolve around drinking and drugs and illicit substances. But what about enlightenment? Is there any, I don't know, experience that should be experienced? What should someone do before they die? LSD. I believe LSD could save the world, man. I honestly do. Uh, I mean, at least mushrooms, if, you, if, you're, if you're a little too scared of the LSD. It's one of those things, I'll, I'll do it like once a year and kind of a birthday thing. I'll go off in the woods and go crazy for 14 hours, man, do whatever the fuck I want. It's helped me realize some stuff. It's, it may have actually also be one of the things that kind of talked me into quit drinking. And I really believe that if people take LSD at least once in their life, you're going to realize a lot of stuff about life, man. A lot of just your greed, your people can realize a lot of the evil that they may not want to do anything about it. It points you into that direction. This is it. This is the bad. It's up to you to change it. It's a hard one to explain, man. If you, if you haven't done it, it's amazing. I'm scrolling through my phone right now, man. Well put. So you can make that uh, rendezvous go down. So when you have enlightenment, you understand things that most people are oblivious to. So graffiti's biggest enemy is graffiti. We're going over each other. We're going over the history. But humans also are their own greatest enemy. We're destroying the air, the soil, the water. The very thing that gives us life, we're destroying it. Why are humans so vile? It hates us or we love it. That's, I don't know what it is, but I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of people may are probably going to disagree with me on this shit, but overpopulation, man. I strongly believe we're an overpopulated species. And because of that, we all live in cities now. We all live in these tight-knit little rooms you know as human beings we were not supposed to live like that we're supposed to be outside we are animals we're not this godlike creature that demigod that we all you know the good majority of the species think we are we are no different than a dog a fan anything i mean I'm, i might be kind of hippie-ish i honestly believe overpopulation man we've got all these people that are crammed into the cities everybody is so out of touch with nature we just don't know what to do about it anymore we're just keep feeding me all this plastic keep feeding me all this electronics feed me this feed me that nobody gives a fuck about what's really going on in this nobody gives a fuck about themselves we just don't care it's all about making money and Whoever has the biggest truck and the most money is the most powerful person in the world, you know, type that kind of shit, man. It's just, it's, it's our egos, man. Our, our egos fucking destroy us. And again, that's where I believe LSD comes in. It crushes that fucking ego. One thing synonymous with being a human is that it's difficult. And happiness is a choice, not a consequence. A lot of people believe that you have the hot babe and the money that it's all going to work out. But those people are just as miserable and depressed as anyone absolutely you know i've learned so much in my life uh i, I kind of briefly told you about it. i know there's a lot of people out there that know too that we just went through um, one of the wild out in california rosa burnt but put 144,000 people out of house and home you know displaced so many people and it's you know going on down in la currently right now there are, you know so many people are being displaced down there and stuff too but we have lost so much stuff and we have nothing anymore i mean we we live outside we have a fifth wheel trailer and a truck and that's pretty much you know what we really own we live in a 26 foot long rv that's our full-time home we live off of a generator 
we live in the middle of nowhere, man. Like having nothing and just being happy and being with the one person you love, being with the two dogs we have, that's, that's all I need, man. You know, I got my good friends with me. That's what makes me happy. It sounds like an adventure and sounds fun. Uh, I don't know if there's the right word or not, but is it hard to do graffiti based on some of those limitations? That's where it's gotten hard now, man. Since before the fires, you know, we were living in a small town. So we had a small apartment, you know, I was just having paint and being able to go paint and do whatever was very easy. Basically, if I wanted to go link up with another rider, I'm looking at a minimal of a five-hour drive right now. This lifestyle, living off the grid, it's awesome, man. I love it. It does really make your feet hard. The fires happened uh, about three months ago. Before the fires, you know, I probably painted two to three times a month. This lifestyle makes it very difficult. That's cool, man. I think as long as you continue to paint and still love it, that really is the single most important aspect. And it sounds like... You're willing to do anything to keep it going. It's impressive. I'll never stop doing it, man. Like, you know, I've taken a break before in the past. It was to do a couple different things in my life to, you know, go on and prove myself to learn something else. You know, there's probably about, you know, maybe two years of that time, big career between the name switchbacks and detour that I just, I didn't paint. You know, I was always constantly drawing, though, but I just, right now I got to focus on some other stuff. Painting will always be there, man. That will never die and that will always be in my heart. I'll never, ever stop that, man. Never in my life. It feels like as you've evolved, your art has evolved. All humans, the adversity does not build the character. It actually reveals it. And you're kind of revealing some of the changes you've gone through as a human in your art. Absolutely agreed, man. Like, And then once I quit drinking, came, got into a better lifestyle, moved out to the West Coast, and was just happy in touch with nature, that, to me, was when I really significantly became happy with my art. Definitely nailed that one. The woman you're with now, what does she have that all of your exes didn't? She is the most amazing woman I've ever met in my entire life. We've always been into farming, and no matter what we're doing, whether it comes to tilling up the garden, being on our knees, picking up the veggies, slaughtering chickens, slaughtering animals, butchering animals, she's right there by my side, getting dirty, getting muddy, getting bloody, sweating, crying. I mean, she is right there, man. She is the toughest woman, one of the sexiest women I've ever met, too. For a woman to be tough and sexy, you don't get that very often. (laughs) Currently, you live off the land. You've hitchhiked, you've traveled all over the country, you've seen so much stuff. Is there any specific type of music that defines you? I listen to a lot of shit, man. I listen to everything from jazz to funk to hip-hop, outlaw country to... I had to name an artist that would probably relate to me the most. I would maybe have to go with like uh, a Waylon Jennings or a David Allen Coe, minus the racist side of it. The whole, fuck you and fuck it, you know, I'm living on my own, That's, that's me. Understood. Just curious, what is it that made you want to be a farmer? I mean, you grew up in a city. What really inspired that? A lot of that changed probably definitely when I moved out to the the West Coast, man. City life made me a lazy person, dude. I was completely fucking lazy. I'd sit around and play video games all day long. Video games and bar life was it for me back in the city, man. Once I moved out here, meeting different people, uh... The West Coast is a whole different lifestyle than the East Coast and the Midwest. I mean, a lot of that lifestyle is picking up now, but more people are just into providing for themselves. 90% of the population, if you ask them where their fucking chicken comes from, they're going to tell you the grocery store. It comes out of a fucking styrofoam package with plastic wrap around it. They don't look at a chicken and go, that's my dinner for tonight. I think what really got me to do it, man, is a friend of mine was raising animals. The first time I tasted the meat of an animal that I saw killed, 
and helped butcher, you know, was actually fed grass, raised locally, fucking treated right, tasted like meat shit, man, not fake. And, and then I had an old friend of mine, we got into uh, butcher classes. We started off with uh, rabbits and chickens, learned how to do that. It was cake. And after that, we started doing pigs, and pretty much we were like, all right, cool, we got this. And then we've been doing lambs and goats and going out hunting, hunting some deer or whatever, you know, I can, I like know where my food comes from, man. I like walking out to my garden and picking a carrot out of the ground and just eating that carrot right there. And the food tastes so much better. The health is the number one factor of it too, man, just being healthy in general. No one really cares about being healthy until they're sick as a rotten mule. We have been told it since we were a kid, man. You are what you eat. If you eat fake plastic, petroleum-based foods that just shit that's out there, Doritos and McDonald's, and you're going to be that fake fat just bullshit person, man. Our, our bodies, we're animals. Like, we're meant to eat meat and vegetables. Like, and as far as the vegetarian thing goes, man, like, we are carnivores. We, we have canines. We are supposed to eat meat. People that are just vegetarians, you see them, they're snacking all day, man. They don't get enough protein throughout the day. They don't get, they just don't get enough nutrition throughout the day, man. Like, we're supposed to have meat. It's supposed to be grass-fed meat. It's not supposed to be this grain-fed or, you know, crap. Oh, that's how we're supposed to live, man. It's the only way I can really say it. Technology has given us unlimited food in certain regions and cured major illnesses i definitely think in some regards it's come at a high cost and if you try to tell people that like we're living wrong and they just look at you like you're a fucking idiot and try to tell them that we're an overpopulated thing they look at you like they're hitler there's an lsd story about timothy leary where him and like 30 other students all got together they were going to go into this deep acid trance ask the universe how does mankind save itself and the universe basically responded and said, only have one child. And I guess the reasoning was, is if you have one child, you'll never overpopulate the earth and you'll be able to carry on the human way of life. Bring our child into this world. I mean, I'm not, I'm not against it. I have friends that have kids. I love those kids. and I love being around kids. It's just not for me, man. It's if the world goes tits up, your lifestyle definitely has an advantage. I don't necessarily think, you know, shit's ever going to go rogue or the end of the world. Our great-great-grandparents said numerous times that we call it a homestead lifestyle or, you know, to our great-great-grandparents, it was just life. People look at me like I'm living this novelty lifestyle, and that's not what it is by any means, man. This shit is hardcore life. In places I have been, you know, we can get up, you get up at six in the morning, you feed your animals. You got all kinds of chores. This is a harder lifestyle than going to work, doing your nine-to-five job every day, man. Like, this is not as easy as what everybody thinks. That, you know, they look at, like, they watch these tiny home shows on TV, and all oh, these people are living in their tiny home, and... Man, those motherfuckers only live in that home for the summertime, and they go back to their other million-dollar fucking home in the fucking city in the wintertime, and people don't understand what this shit's really like, man. They just look at it as a novelty. What a mystery our existence is, and the deeper you go, the more questions you have. You know, life is sort of like a puzzle with some of the most major pieces missing, and you almost have to recreate them and force them into place. So why and what are we really doing here? The question I don't know if I can answer, you know. I think ultimately we're just kind of searching for just ourselves and happiness in a way. And Well, if not life, then what about art? What are we trying to get out of art? Graffiti is like a meditation to me. It's, it's the time where I can go and I can just do nothing or I can do something and not think about anything. It, Somebody asked me one time, you know, like, what is it? And I was like, you take your favorite thing, you know, fishing or basketball or 
you multiply your passion for that by 10 or more, like a hundred, man, that's what graffiti is to me, man. Like it's, I've learned so much from graffiti, man, just the places I've been. And it's a completely different thing, man. Like because of graffiti, I've been in abandoned warehouses. I've, stumbled across a dead body in the train yard before but you know i've also been or sitting online in a nice air-conditioned studio and shit like hanging out with the snobbiest people i've witnessed it all man like painting a wall and there being junkies sitting behind that wall just fucking and there's a place up in um in norcal that we painted man i mean it let me guess devil's playground yep they just tore that place down man there were people there were whole families living back there people were having babies back there i painted with the mize back there one time we were sitting there painting Man, and uh, there's this chick and this uh, camera guy, and they're like, oh, you know, we're going to walk around here, you know, start taking some photos and stuff, you know, do some modeling photos. Like, oh, okay, cool, cool. You know, I didn't think anything of it. Uh, they went around the corner, started doing their thing. And Demise had come around the corner. I got there, you know, half hour, 30, 40 minutes before him, something like that. He's like, oh, man, there's this fucking dude and this fucking chick over there doing fucking, like, new photos. She's butt naked and blah, blah, blah. And like, what? Oh, yeah, I seen them. I didn't realize they were, like, doing nude stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, they're, they're all back there. And they actually came around. And started talking to us, and we found out the dude was actually shooting video. Chicks, like, walking in front of me and Demise as we're painting, like, picking up our can, picked up a can of fucking pink Tutti Fruity, Montana, and started rubbing it up against her fucking coochie, and she's like, oh, Tutti Fruity, baby, and, like, fucking bent over, like, acting like she was shoving it up her ass, all kinds of shit, man. Me and Demise are just sitting there looking at this fucking dude and the chick, and like, oh, my God, dude, what the fuck is going on? I don't know, man. It's back to the question, I guess. I, I, I've witnessed a lot of crazy shit and learned a lot of shit from graffiti, man, and it's it has saved my life. It really is that great. And leave it to a human to screw it up. You know, we have this gem, this medallion in our possession. And yet every day we watch people paint over 20-year-old piece or tag and destroy a layup or overcrowd a piecing spot to where it gets buffed and on and on. It's hard to watch people destroy the very thing that brings so much joy to their lives. A lot of them don't even know it. Agreed with, 100%. When this interview first started, you talked about touring around the country. And, you know, tell us about hitchhiking. Go uh, sit at the truck stops and just ask truckers, hey, where are you going? No, oh, cool, I'll go there too. Let's go. And first getting into graffiti and stuff, I was a hardcore punk kid. Into the whole uh, transient lifestyle. And I honestly kind of chose to leave my parents' house. And then we just started traveling, hitchhiking. And it was a lot of fun, though. Taught me a lot of shit again, you know, just being around all those different people, you know, being... Well, you know, a lot of people look at those people out on the on the corner that are traveling, you know, begging for a full tank of gas or a little bit of spare change. They, you know, they look at those people like they're scum. But if you sit down and talk to those people, man, they're probably some of the most interesting people in the world, man. Like train hopping people, man, they're going to have some of the most interesting stories. Graffiti artists, too, man. I mean, it's a lot to say about it. The networking, the people you meet, it truly is pure solid gold and happiness. Glad to have you on. Is there anything that a young writer needs to know and needs to acquire in his travels you don't have to fucking document everything man like leave some of it you know under the bridge in the middle of nowhere for you know somebody to actually stumble upon and to me that's what graffiti was like it's another thing that got me into it man like when that dude kept i believe he's from minneapolis at the time that dude went through the midwest and all through the country and just crushed shit the most obscure random places like nobody would ever see unless you're a graffiti artist walking down the track you're walking around trying to find a spot to paint walking on the track trying to find a new bench spot or and you see this just dope piece that nobody's ever seen in their life to me that's just like the most raw 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 to me that's just like the most raw
People say I'm no good and crazy as a loon. Cause I get stoned in the morning and I get drunk in the afternoon. Kinda like my old blue tick hound, I like to lay around in the shade. And I ain't got no Can't get it on my own. If you don't like the way I'm living, you just leave this long haired country boy alone. Preacher man talking on TV.